Welcome to Anderswick Church. We hope this message empowers and encourages you. To hear more from our church, make sure you subscribe or visit our website at annasbrook.co.nz for a service near you. It's been a busy start to the year for a lot of people, hasn't it? Like everybody I've spoken to has just said, man, this year has just got off to a raging start. Um, I'm going to start the message today by asking a question. Uh, how would you rate your energy level right now? Now, I'm not going to ask you to put your hands up, but on a scale of 1 to 10, uh, 1 being like low and then 10 being like hero. Like, um, do we have any, just out of interest, do we have any 10s that are in the room? Oh, yeah, Douglas, yeah, and Paul? And Hamish as well, that's good, man. You guys are doing really, really well. Um, basically, when I've been talking with people uh, this year, uh, what I have discovered is that I'm hearing a lot of the same thing quite consistently, which is, man, I, I've started the year really quite hard and I'm feeling like quite tired already. In fact, a friend of mine last night on Instagram, he did a post and he, he posted a picture of, of, his, um, of his bed and he just said... Um, he just said, man, I, I don't know how many other people want to sleep all day Saturday, but I'm already tired this year, and it's only one month deep. And I messaged him back and said to him, it's either one month deep or it's 33 months deep, depending on how you, depending on how, how you look at it. You know, it's been one of the most crazy seasons so far. The fact is that, is that most people aren't tired already. They're still tired from the end of last year and from the previous year. I mean, let's be honest. We've faced a lot of stuff. we faced COVID. Uh, we faced the lockdowns, in and out of lockdowns. Uh, job changes. Has anybody had a job change in the last three years? Yep. Yeah, quite a number of people have a job change. Uh, we had mandates, we had the gathering limits. How stupid was that? We had uh, people with relationship issues. We've had work- workplace fallouts. We've had all sorts of challenges. Um, and a recent uh, study that was taken, it was about a year ago they released a study that a post-COVID study revealed that 52% of people now feel burnt out or exhausted uh, in the workplace, 52%. So that would mean that if it was Donna and I standing up here, one of us would feel like a sense of burnout um, and that sense of exhaustion. And I want to say this morning that uh, we don't need to feel overwhelmed and we don't need to feel burnt out. And the, the title of this morning's message is the rest of God in the busy season. The rest of God in the busy season. Um, basically, we're going to talk here from Psalms 127. I'm going to start with verse 1 and 2. So, unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects a city, gardening against it with centuries or garden against it with soldiers will not do any good. It is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat, for God gives rest to his loved ones, which is really interesting. Here we are in the scripture talking about uh, this work that we do that just seems to be relentless. And God actually says in the scripture, it's actually not gonna do you any good. And then he randomly chucks out this thought of, but I'm gonna give rest to those that actually need it. Uh, Carrying on, children are a gift from the Lord. They are are a reward from him. Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hand. And how joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them or, 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 or of his children. I've got four children, so I kind of know what that's like. And if you know Graham Heslop, he's got 17 kids. No, it's not true. He's got six. Does he have six? He's got five. Probably Beck feels like she's got six, including Graham. Um, anyway, but, 
basically, uh, he will not be put to shame when he confronts the accusers or rather the attackers at the city gates. So the scripture t- states quite clearly that unless God builds a house, unless he protects your city, unless he provides our direction and our needs, it is actually all a wasted work actually without all of that. And then that sense of without the sense of God in it, that there is this exhaustion or this tiredness that comes in the busyness of, of everything that's going on. This is the sense of tiredness. So what does rest actually mean if God calls us to rest in Him? What does it really mean? I have discovered that over the season that too many people have said, I'm going to leave my job to try and get this rest that I need. I'm going to change cities. I'm going to leave my church and I'm going to go change church. I'm going to divorce my husband or I'm going to divorce my wife. I'm going to change this relationship. I'm going to shift banks. I'm going to um, shut down. I know people have even shut down their Facebook profiles and created created a new one to try and get a new sense of rest in the season. And they're doing all this sort of uh, uh, crazy stuff like that. Um, some people have said, I'm going to leave this town and shift to Ikatahuna. Have anybody from Ikatahuna here? It's actually, there we go. It's actually a spot. It's a great spot. It's literally a shop in the middle of nowhere, but it's kind of cool. In the Manawa too. And um, but basically, God, basically what the scripture is saying is God is giving rest to the loved ones. And when he says this, he is not talking about stopping. The rest is not talking about quitting. It's not talking about actually going for that big life change. What it's talking about is that there is actually a rest even in the busy season, even in the seasons where about it feels like everything is just going absolutely crazy. Don't get me wrong. There is a season where God does call us to stop. And there is some seasons where God calls us to actually make a change. And God does sometimes ask us to change our job. And God does sometimes ask us to shift cities. But He doesn't ever do that out of a sense of, from a sense of exhaustion. He doesn't ever do it from a sense of being tired. He always does it from a sense of he wants to re-energize you and he wants to put you in a position of actually launching forward into something new, into something fresh. And that's actually done out of a sense of strength. So I want to be very, very clear about that. But this scripture that we're reading is not talking about that sort of rest. He's actually talking about continuing on in it. He's talking about not changing. There is a deep peace peace and a rest that comes with us when we commit absolutely everything that we are and all of our ways to God and that we do that. So sometimes, this is the four things I wrote down. Sometimes we need to take a stock take of the things that we are doing. Like what are the things that we're actually doing right now? Are we doing too much? Are there some things there that aren't working well? Number two, we need to ask God, Uh, what things we're doing that's yielding fruit. So what are the things that are we doing out of the things that we're doing that like right now, this is the thing that we need to be doing. And even if we don't see the fruit now, just a little bud of of fruit coming is really important. We need to make sure that we have put God first and all that we're going to do. Once again, the scripture says, unless God builds it with us, we actually do it in vain, right? Unless God actually puts soldiers out there for us, we actually do it in vain. Here's something that we might need to think about. We might need to simplify and take one part and one thing at a time. That's a good thought, eh? Let's crack on to the message. Let's really unwrap this a little bit. So here we go. Point number one, too many focuses at once actually means no focus at all. We got that up there. Too many focuses at once actually means no focus at all. So why is it that 52% of people report feeling burned out and overwhelmed in the workplace? Well, I say this, it's not just the number of hours that we're working. But it's actually the fact that we spend too many hours continually juggling too many things at the same time. Too many focuses at once. What we've lost above all are stopping points. 
We've missed uh, our finishing lines and boundaries. Technology, our little phone that's like a computer that comes with us wherever we go, uh, is, uh, is ever insistent and intrusive. It's like an itch that we can't resist scratching, even though when we do scratch it, it invariably makes things much worse. When I was younger, I used to um, go over to my mate's place. I would have been maybe about uh, 10 or 11 at the time. And we played this game on the Commodore 64 called Arknoid. I think I've got a little picture of it up here. Here we go. So this is like a brick-breaking game. And what you do with this little wee paddle, you, we had a little dial thing. You dial it backwards and forwards and you'd bounce this ball up and into the screen. And the idea would be to smash all of the bricks. Now, what was cool is that in some of the bricks, it actually had like um, an L for large, which means you could get a larger platform. Uh, you got an for speed it up, you got a blue S for slow it down, and then you got one. That, and I used to always used to love this one. The bought the brick that had a number eight on it, and the number eight on it, when you come down and you catch it, and it would make that one ball split into eight balls. And I'm thinking, this is the one I want. I'm going to clear this board as quickly as I can. Here's the thing, though, is that when I get that number eight ball, I try and focus on every ball. What happens? Inevitably, I drop. Every single ball and it's game over. It was just as simple as that. So I'm playing this game thinking that the eight ball was the best way to do it. Guess what I learned? One ball going at the right pace at one time is the way to do it. One brick at a time, one level at a time, leveling up. Don't get me wrong, the owl uh, brick was quite cool. That was lasers. You get to shoot them down at the same time. That's like the Holy Spirit brick, you know, which is so, so good. So the idea is that is that too many focuses at once actually means no focus at all. It's a little bit like, you know, when you're at home and you say to the kids, would somebody please tidy up? That means n- nobody's going to tidy up because you haven't actually named who it is that's actually going to do the job. Any parents out there know what I mean? Yep, I've got a few waves. So the idea is you have to say, this is what I want to happen. I want um, Trinity, I want you to tidy up. And she goes, okay, yeah, okay, I got that. Right, Israel, you can go mow the lawns. Right, okay, I got that. That's all good. But when we say to them, right, can everybody go do something? Nobody does anything. It's as simple as that. Point number two, the rest of God is not just the absence of, of activity. This is really, really important. I've had a lot of people come to me over the years and say, uh, Dave, can you pray for me? I just, so much is going on. I just need, still, I just need everything to be calm. The fact is that the rest in the context of, of the scripture that we've been sharing doesn't mean to just drop everything and to give up on it all. It's actually about taking a deep trust in God. It's about handing over all we do to God And it's not the absence of activity, but rather the peace of God amidst the storm, the calm of God amidst the storm. In fact, when we look at the scripture, right after where it says, God gives rest to his children. The very next uh, verse says this, in uh, verse three and five of Psalms 127. It says, children are a gift from the Lord and they are are a reward from him. Children born to you, a young man, are like arrows in the warrior's hand. And how joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. He will not be put to shame when he confronts his accusers of the city gates. And we've just learned before that, that actually having the quiver of people or the soldiers or the sentries around the, around the walls will actually do no good unless God's in it. So when God says, I give rest to you, he doesn't say stop. He then talked about actually raising the next generation. And he talks about raising our disciples. And he talks about actually getting ready for the battle, of, the battle that's at, at hand. So God's not saying stop. So peace is the sense of rest despite the storm rather than the absence of it. Looking in Matthew 8, verse 23 to 27, it says, Then Jesus got into the boat and started across the lake with his disciples. 
Now we learn about this because uh, Jesus had been preaching. He was absolutely exhausted and he went into this boat and they were crossing this lake. Now I went to Lake um, Taupo last year. For the first time ever, I managed to get out on, the, on, out on the lake. We went out on this beautiful launch. Discovered it was worth $1.4 million. I offended the guy by telling him I thought it was worth 500000 But anyway, another story. So anyway, we went out on this boat and we went and it was just absolutely like glass out on this lake. Absolutely beautiful. And then we got over to the other side of Lake and he says, right, we'll just cut straight back across the lake now. now. Now, as we did that, the winds picked up and it really started to get quite choppy, even in this massive thing that's got like the stabilizers and everything. We were going all over the show and it was amazing how fast that, that, uh, that wind picked up. So anyway, so Jesus is out there and it says there, suddenly a fierce storm struck the lake and the waves were breaking up into the boat and Jesus was sleeping. <laughs> what a good dude. I've got that skill. I can sleep anywhere. Anyway, the disciples went and woke him up shouting, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. I mean, these are guys, remember, the disciples were, dis- were fishermen. They knew what it was to actually be out on rough seas. They actually knew what it was. But here they are, they're freaking out. God, they said, Jesus, we are going to drown. Jesus then woke up and he was quite annoyed because he was having a good little sleep. He said, why are you afraid? You've got so little faith. Then he got up and rebuked the wind of the waves and then suddenly it returned to the calm like Lake Topor. The disciples were amazed and they said, who is this man they asked? Even the winds and the waves obey him. I'm gonna ask a question this morning. How's that trust going in God when the winds pick up? It can be a moment's difference between the waves being rough and then being calm. You know, I've got to tell you, I'm not the most comfortable flyer. Uh, uh, Grant Tucky will uh, attest to this. I keep on asking him for truth coaches every time I fly. And, uh, you know, but you can go from having a, a really rough, turbulent flight to then being on the ground and everything all being over. You know, if you're just holding on for dear life this morning, if you're just thinking, man, this thing is crazy. God, just take this storm away from me. Uh, let me ask you something different. Maybe trust in Him and maybe say, God, in this season, would you please give me a peace despite the storm rather than just taking away the storm? So good. Number three, uh, don't run. Face your fears. Don't run, but face your fears. Uh, when I was younger, uh, I had a fear of heights, like, like an irrational fear of heights, like I couldn't stand on top of a car. Now, you might ask, Dave, what were you doing standing on top of a car? Look, as a teenager, that's just what we did back then. So at any rate, so I'm, I'm a teenager, I'm maybe like 14 at this time, and I've got an irrational fear of heights. I would get vertigo just kind of standing on something like the stage. I would feel like I'm going to drop everything and just fall over and just actually inevitably lose my balance. And I just decided, hey, look, this isn't good enough. I'm going to actually overcome this fear of heights. So what I did is I decided, right, I'm going to get on the little diving platform, which is about as high as the stage at Nayland Pools, and I would just dive off and into that platform. Then I'd go up to the two-metre platform. I'd think, oh, this is high, and I would just do it over and over and over again. I would just dive into that water. And back when QE2 Pools was in Christchurch, they had um, a various different uh, uh, heights that eventually went up as high as the 10-metre uh, platform. And I went up, and the first time I went up to the 10-metre platform, I chickened out. I shut the diving board down. I went down to the, uh, the, the, um, the uh, what are they call them, the pool attendants, lifeguards. And anyway, I went down and said, please open that diving board back up. I'm going to go. She said, no, you went out before. I'm not going to open that up for you. I'm like, please, I want to do it. So she said, okay, well. So she opened it up. I went up, stood on the edge of the platform, and I just didn't think. And I just dove straight off and straight in. Next thing you know, I'm jumping off the Polaris Bridge, and I'm doing a bungee jump at, at 80 metres. And I'm thinking, I'm getting this under control. And then this happened. So let's just look at this photo. This is me at age, nah, yeah, here we go. Age, this is me at age 30. 
Go back to the next one. Age 16. One thing's changed. The uniform hasn't changed. Still a black T-shirt. What you probably can't see here, but this is me actually removing my jumpsuit. I had just done a skydive on my 16th birthday at 9,000 feet. Now, what's interesting about this is I'd never, ever been in a plane before. Like, so I had no idea what it was like. So I remember going up thinking, man, this is high. Uh, and then I said to the guy, how high is this? And he goes, it's four and a half thousand feet. Got to go twice as high as this. And the very first time I actually uh, flew in a commercial plane, we started descending. I hated it. I wanted to jump out. So I ended up doing six jumps. I did two, uh, two uh, uh, tandem jumps and I did four solo jumps to eventually actually overcome my fear of, of, uh, of heights. Now, just go back to the other photo, Nathan. By the way, just go back to the other one again. So I'm flipping backwards and forwards. I want to punch this kid in the face. I've got to tell you, he, he needs, needs a bit of a wake-up call. But anyway, let's just go back to the next one. This is, this is me, and um, this guy above me is about six foot, and he weighed, weighed a ton. So, I mean, I am seriously falling fast there. And this was done, this was done at 16,500 feet, oxygen-assisted, and it was on my 30th birthday. And it was after that point I decided... Okay, I've overcome that fear. I don't, I don't need to do it anymore. Anyway, we can take that down. Anyway, the experts say that when you meet your fears head on and actually face them, you'll actually increase your ability to deal with them. Actually overthinking it and spending endless nights thinking about them over and over and over again is actually what leads to anxiety. It actually leads to exhaustion far more than actually facing that fear that you've actually got. Uh, it actually leads to anxiety, high blood pressure, heart disease, uh, and an over-crushed ability to do the things that we actually must do. Um, there's a program at the moment on uh, Disney Plus. It's actually on the National Geographic channel called Limitless, and it's got uh, Chris Hemsworth. Has anybody seen it? A few people. If you haven't seen it, go see it. He does six challenges to overcome his fear of heights. Uh, sorry, his, sorry, to, not his fear of heights, to overcome his fear of... Uh, growing old and actually not being able to keep up. I mean, I mean the guy's an athlete, much like Lou Carney. But um, he's, he's seriously, he's, he's an absolute athlete. And he does these things like gets up on the highest building in Sydney and does a skywalk uh, outside the thing. And as he's going over, you can watch his heart rate. Now, his, his resting heart rate's about 65. That's his average um, resting heart rate. He's standing on top of this building and his heart rate's about 120 BPM. And he says... I'll just have a quick look down and he looks down and he goes, oh, I shouldn't have done that. And his heart rate goes up to about 180 BPM just standing there. And then as he's standing there, they, he remembers his truth coaches. Just breathe. Just take it in. So he just does this thing, just breathes, takes it in. And you can see within a matter of seconds, he drops his heart rate right back down to about 90 BPM within a matter of just over a matter of about a minute. He turns around and eventually he just stands there like this with his arms open wide. It was quite, quite amazing. He does things like he goes in the pool, they tie him up so he can't breathe and kind of half drown him. And they, they take him to the Arctic and they make him swim in the, in the Arctic um, in the Arctic Ocean, just all sorts of stuff. But what the experts are saying to him is that when you face your fears head on, it's actually far better than, than actually thinking about it all the time and actually getting exhausted. So my point number three is that is just don't run, actually face your fears. Now, if you can't do it by yourself, do it with somebody else. Ask them for a hand and say, I, I'm feeling a little bit nervous about this. I just need your hand. Do you need to go see the doctor? Do you need to go and see a counsellor? Do you need to go to the gym? Do you need to go uh, and talk to your bank about that mortgage you've got? Do you need to go see a financial planner? Do you need to go and actually talk to somebody about actually having rest? Do you need to do that? I want to tell you this week, this week could be your week. Point number four, change your thoughts and your self-talk. 
going to go to Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And it says this, it says, Don't copy the behaviour and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Not by what you do, but the way that you think. And then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and a pleasing and is perfect to God. And knowing the will of God, e.g. what to pray, is linked to putting on the mind of Christ, transforming the renewing of your mind. The way that this is the way that it works is that if you think a thought enough and you start to think about it over and over again, eventually it comes out in your language. That's why people sometimes when they get a, a moment, they, they, they swear out of, out of nowhere. They might not normally swear out loud, but they're probably doing it a lot in their head. Starts off as a thought, then eventually comes out in the mouth. And if you declare something long enough with your mouth, it eventually becomes an action that you actually start to do. You do that action long enough, it becomes a habit. You do that habit for long enough, it becomes a lifestyle. And by the time it's a lifestyle, it's ingrained in your personality. But it all starts with this thought about what am I thinking about? And I think this morning, I want to be honest, is that too many of us are listening to the wrong voices. We're listening to the voice of your mum that said something to you when you're young and you can't, you can't reverse it. You're, you're listening to the voice of your colleague that tells you that you're not good enough. You're listening to the voice of, um, of that person on Facebook that said something to you in a comment thread. Who cares? Who the heck are they anyway? I actually wrote in my note, what the actual flip. Um, that's a Christian swear word, by the way. <laughs> Replace that with the other F word and you'll do well. <laughs> so when I, was, when I was about 13, I was actually riddled with insecurity, suicidal thoughts, and I knew one thing. I could never do any form of public speaking. They say that sitting up in front of people with a microphone is one of the, one of the worst fears, that and getting married, apparently. But at any rate, so, so I just knew that I couldn't do it, and I was riddled with um, insecurity, thought, I'll never make anything out of my life. What's the point of me even trying? Well, I went to this, uh, this men's event and the speaker uh, came over to me and he just prayed for me and he just spoke one thing. You're going to have success beyond your years. And I just thought, what? This is crazy. He spoke it again and it, something stuck. It got on the inside. It was just like, success, me? And I remember going to my mate straight afterwards and I said to him, this guy prophesied over me, I'm going to have success. And he just laughed at me and he said, oh, Dave, you know, Success to God and success to man are two different things. And no, no, look, just, just, just keep on being you, man. That's all good. But I didn't listen to that word. I listened to the word that the guy spoke over to me, which was going to be success. And what I had to determine over the years was what success actually meant in the here and now for me. Now, it meant I didn't compare myself uh, to somebody else. I didn't compare myself to, to Lou Carney singing. That's not my gift in singing. I didn't compare myself to Paul Fox. This guy is... Um, absolutely ripped at the gym. I don't know if you know that. I don't compare myself to, to Danny over, over here. He's got a different set of skills. I don't compare myself to, um, to, to my wife or to my father or anybody. I just had to realise what success was for me. And I just had to make sure that I actually realised what that meant. But what I did is I just went back and I just repeated that word over my life every day with no arrogance, just you're going to be successful. And then I'd go and I'd do a task and I would say, you're going to be successful. And then I started digging into what the word said about it. And it said that no weapon formed against me would prosper. So I'm like, I'm like we, we're going to declare that over my life. And I just, I just share that because as I hung on to that word and I declared it over my life daily, it changed the way I thought. It changed the way I spoke. It changed the way that I acted. It changed the way that my habits were formed and my lifestyle happened. And eventually I can stand up here today 
uh, looking like the glorious 90 kg 90 kg figure of a man that I am with that now in these glasses and I can tell you that my 16 year old self that overcame the fear of heights is the person that can also just do anything can just be successful and absolutely you can do too yeah come on that's good all right point number five let's get Practical. Okay, so look, how do we actually do this thing? How do we actually practically work through the busy seasons? I'm just going to give you three of my top tips, all right? There's probably about a thousand. Here are three of my top tips. Now, there's lots of things you can research, the thing about breathing, the things about meditation, the things about slowing your heart rate and all the rest of it. But here's three of my top things. Number one, do the most important things first in the morning, preferably without interruptions, for about 60 to 90 minutes without interruption, with a clear start and a clear stop time. So before I do anything in my work day, I write my to-do list and I check my to-do list and I go, right, what's my first thing I'm gonna do? And then I make sure that my interruptions are gone. Right now my phone's on, do not disturb, that's a very important thing. And then make sure that you do it in a private space during this period, or if you can, with sound-reducing earphones, if you can't get out of the home, it just re removes that. Finally, resist every impulse to distraction, knowing that you've got designated stopping point coming up, that you're actually aiming for a time frame. The more absorbed you can get, the more productive you're gonna be. When you're done, stop, take a rest for at least a few minutes to renew, and then think, right, what's the next thing I'm gonna do now? And if that means to continue on, on that first task, well then continue on, on that first task, but time frame it. They've actually discovered that those people that actually work eight hours a day but with scheduled breaks, actually achieve more and are more productive than somebody that works manically for 12 hours just trying to grasp at straws and actually trying to do stuff. They've actually done actual studies on it. And what they found is that, is that short bursts of time that are focused is far more important. Got to eliminate that need for hustle, eliminate that need for hurry, and just got to figure out what's the first things we can do. Second of all, establish regular scheduled times to think more about the long-term creatively or strategically. If you don't, you will constantly succumb to the tyranny of the urgent. I'm gonna say that again, because I stumbled over that. If you don't, you will constantly succumb to the tyranny of the urgent. That you will always be reactive in whatever is facing you. You will always answer that phone call. I've been in the middle of conversations with people and their phone rings and they're like, hold on, somebody else needs my attention right now. And I just say, hey, it's all good. Just maybe put the phone down. They can get that soon unless it's really urgent. Have you ever done that? A notification comes in on Facebook. I better check that. A text message comes in. I better check that. But just set yourselves times of the day whereabouts you can do it. You control the narrative. Uh, you need to find yourself a, an environment to do this in and preferably different from the one that you work in. So when I did this message, I couldn't do it from my office at, at work. It just didn't work. I, I just can't do it. I have to go to somewhere like a cafe get myself a bottomless coffee and I ask them to cut me off after three because I, <laughs> otherwise you get in trouble with too much coffee. And I, just, and I just get in the white noise and the white noise just does something for me rather than the silence of my office. Uh, if I'm at home, I just need to go sometimes, I'll just go to Rabbit Island and pull up in the car and just get my notes out and just start prepping or I'll just walk. And when I walk, I mean, I'm a fast thinker, a fast speaker, a fast um, talker. But when I do this, I actually walk slowly and I walk deliberately. So if you ever see me walking around slowly, I'm not getting a task done. I'm just focusing on what it is that God's got for me next. Number three, I would take real and regular breaks. And when I say real, I mean, when you're off, you're off. 
we're not answering our phone, we're not answering our emails. You're truly disconnected from work. You're truly disconnected from everything else that matters. Regular means several times a day. And also, I'd say two good holiday points per year as well. If you're just running from time to, to thing to thing, you're not creating enough space, as well as sometimes those little breaks you can get. So for instance, Michelle and I, we're just going to head away for a couple of days. We're going to go up to a, an Airbnb in the middle of nowhere. And we literally, we're gonna, we've got some good food we're going to cook. I'm going to cook, cook a porchetta. And we've got some steaks and stuff like that. But we're just not going to leave. We're just going to stop for a couple of days. The phones um, will probably... Uh, what's that probably? It'll come on from time to time, but you know, we're just going to try and turn that off and actually just actually stop and rejuvenate. So I'd say twice a year, if, you, if at all possible. If you're working a really intense job, like one of a better general manager or a CEO or a business, they actually say the best way to get a break, if you can, and this is a bit tough, but for three weeks at a time. The first week that you take the break, you're still kind of in that work mode, you're trying to wind down, there's still a few emails coming in. The second week of that break, you're actually truly starting to realise what it is to rest and relax. And then the third week, not only have you rejuvenated and actually created new pathways in your brain for things to happen, you can start to think strategically, you can start to think about the next stage of your life, but you also start to then start to think about what is next and what can I do next. But it only really happens when you take a big, a big break sometimes that you've got to do that. When was the last time you took a solid break? And I don't mean rushing around doing tourist stuff all the time. I mean, just take a break. You know, God can work a bit faster than three weeks, I, I think. That's all good. But they actually say that, have you ever, you know, somebody, you might have done it yourself. You, you go away and after a few days, you come back and you decide to change everything. I'm quitting my job. I'm leaving my partner. I'm, I'm shifting cities. The reason why that happens and you start to make bad decisions in those moments is you haven't had long enough to actually rejuvenate and allow everything to really re-hit again. So when you go away for a short break, try not to make big decisions as well. That's really, really important. The longer break and then also check it in a multitude of counsellors. Make sure that you're actually checking with people that this is right for your life. Uh, Lou, I'll get you to jump back up now, mate, if you can. That'd be awesome. Number six. This is my final point that I'm just going to share this morning. Uh, We're just going to say this. is Ask God for His peace. Ask God for His confidence and ask for God for the rest in the busy season. The context of this is not stopping necessarily. Take the break, that's fine. It's not actually uh, quitting. It's not necessarily shifting. Once again, there could be a season for that. But today, this morning, I really feel like God is saying, keep on keeping on. Keep on doing what you're doing. Uh, John chapter 20, verse 19 to 22 says, suddenly Jesus was standing there among them. This is after he'd been crucified and he rose again. He said, peace be with you. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and in his side, and they were filled with joy. So they weren't just filled with peace. There's, like, the next step on from peace is joy. It's like a thing that overwhelms inside you and that comes over top of everything that you're doing. It's just a peace. And then he says, again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Interesting that he said, peace be with you. And he didn't say stop or quit. He said, peace be with you. I'm sending you. There's a work for you to do. There is a peace and there is a rest in the busy season. Keep one step in front of the other. Keep loving, keep hoping, keep praying. Keep thanking, keep giving, keep serving. Keep practicing the way, see what God does. Because guess what? This isn't just for you and to be done in you, but it's to be done through you. There's a ministry to be done. There are people in the world that need to see that there are people that are confident in this. 
Now, one thing that, that uh, if people that, uh, people that know us well will know that we live an incredibly busy lifestyle. We're people that probably over the years have probably worked 100 hours a week or more. And we run our own business. Uh, we've just taken on being the location pastors here. I'm the general manager for Annisbrook Church. We've got four children. We've got a lot of stuff going on. And people have often said, how have you managed to do this? And you've managed to keep your joy and you seem to be uh, you know, keeping on top of things. And I've just got to say, the only way that we've done it is is number one, I systemize everything that I need to do so I'm not having to have real estate up here thinking about stuff. Number two, I dedicate everything I do to God and I say, God, just breathe through this. And I always pray, God, is there anything I need to stop? Uh, just let me know and we'll, we'll stop doing it. And God, will you give me the strength for it? Now, I'm not suggesting everybody should do what we do because that's just a massive uh, capacity that God's given us. But God's spoken to us this year that there's some stuff that we need to stop. So, and there's some stuff that we need to start. And one of the things that we need to start is being location pastors for this location. And we're really believing in God for amazing breakthrough. And we are so thankful. The only way that we can do this is because of the strength of team that we've got in this place. And I want to say this, your purpose is tied up in more than just yourself. It's tied up in other people as well. You know, we, we're stronger together. We're stronger together. Matthew 11, 28 verse 30. This is the message version. I really like this version. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll, you will recover your whole entire life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. See, walk with me and work with me as you rest. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. In other words, he'll do it according to what he's called you to do. And that's the important thing, listening to the right voices about what God's got for you. Keep company with me and you'll learn how to live freely and lightly. In Jesus' name, amen. Just wonder if in this place right now, if we could just, just shut our eyes just for a moment, just to give a bit of privacy to your neighbour. And I just wonder if, and this has been a message for somebody at the start of this year and you're thinking, man, I'm not just tired already, I'm just still tired. God, I just need your rest and I need to find those unforced rhythms of grace. I need to find a, a way that I can do this and I need to take a stop take on my life and I need to figure out what are the things I should really be doing and how do I do this? And I just wonder that if that's you and you just need the rest of God, uh, I just wonder if you just would just slip your hand up and say, God, that's, that's me. That's me. Yeah, we got hands going up all over this place. Yeah, I'm just going to give it another couple of minutes because I just know that there are more people that it just takes a lot of courage to put their hand up. Yeah, awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you feel comfortable, what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you to, and only if you feel comfortable, I just wonder if you'd leave your hand up. And then if that happens, I want, if you're, if you can open your eyes again in this moment. If you see somebody with their hand up, just go lay hands on them. And I'd love you just to pray with them. You know, sometimes we've got upfront ministry. That's great. That's important. But sometimes we should pray for people. So if that's you, please just put your hand back up again. Yeah, awesome. Thanks, guys, for your courage. That's amazing. Yep, awesome. You can just, just look around and just lay your hands on somebody that's there. And we're just going to pray. God, right now, Lord God, in Jesus' name, I just want to thank you, Lord God, for those that just feel like they need the rest of God. Lord God, that they need the peace of God in their life. 
Lord God, right now I just declare, Lord God, not exhaustion, not fatigue, Lord God, but a peace, Lord God, that brings about the grace that you say that it bypasses all understanding and it actually brings a joy. It brings more than peace, it brings a joy, it brings a confidence. And right now, Lord God, I just pray for every person in this place, Lord God, that's facing that this morning. And I'm asking your name, Jesus, that you would just do the impossible in this place, Lord God, that you would make their life limitless, Lord. Father, as they do one thing at a time, Lord, as they commit it to you, I just thank you, Lord God, that this week would be a week like no other, that this year would be a year like no other. And Lord God, I declare, Lord God, energy in Jesus' name. Lord God, I declare, Lord God, the good things of life over their life. Lord God, I just thank you for that. Thank you, Jesus. Lord God, I thank you, Lord God, that we just keep praying. Lord God, that we keep thanking you, Lord God, that we continue to speak the Word of God over every situation. Lord God, that we continue to come to church, continue to keep worshipping, continue to put people into the world who can pray and support them practically, Lord God, that can be their family. Lord God, I pray, Lord God, that they would keep going to their connect group, Lord God. I pray that they would continue to come to you and that they would repeat all those steps. Lord, I thank you, Lord God, that they would thank you at every turn and see you, Lord God, at work in their life, Lord God. I thank you, God, that you would recognise and acknowledge uh, your provision over their life and every blessing when it happens. Lord God, I thank you, Lord God, that these people will rejoice, Lord God, and that they would actually declare, Lord God, your goodness in their life. Lord God, I just thank you that when they speak to the mountains and they speak truth, that things would happen. And God, I thank you over and above all that when they begin to see you at work, despite the circumstance, Lord, that you can put the fire inside them. Thank you, Lord God, in your name, Jesus. Amen. 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 How good was that? Why don't we put our hands We hope you enjoyed this message. If you're wondering what the next step in your faith journey looks like, please get in touch with us. Email us at info or visit our website.